Praise the Lord. Anyway, praise the Lord. Well, did you come to receive tonight? Yeah. I tell you what, we're going to do just like we've been doing all year long. Go to the book of Acts chapter 3. Let's do it. Praise God. Acts chapter 3, please. Amen. We've been talking about times of restoration. And how many know we're in times of restoration? Praise God. Hallelujah. That is for sure. We're seeing all kinds of things being restored and all kinds of things happening. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're excited about it. Hallelujah. So we're going to go again to chapter 3, verse 19, just for our opening verses, and then we'll kick into what God has for you today. Uh, praise the Lord. Verse 19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing... Everybody say, times of refreshing. I like that. Amen. But it said, times of refreshing, amen, may come from the presence of the Lord. You hang out with God, that's the kind of stuff that happens. I like that refreshing stuff, don't you? Amen. And of course, it started with, uh, you know, a repentance. And of course, repentance, uh, it's not, we're not talking about, uh, you know, having to try to earn something or trying to prove something with repentance. You know, repentance is not about penance. Sometimes that's the way it's kind of viewed, but it's not. Uh, two different things. Um, repentance is about a, a, really about a, a change of mind, a change of heart. It literally means to stop, turn, and go the other way. That's what repentance means. And so anytime you have uh, repentance, anytime there's a time in your life where you're, you're stopping, you're turning, and you're now heading in a, in, a, in, a, in a new direction or in a better direction, hopefully a better direction. Come on, somebody. Amen. Uh, and so, of course, that's what we're referring to. Um, anytime that happens, that's always going to be good times. Why? Because it's times of change, times of growth, times of development, times of going higher. Come on, somebody. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, if you need to repent, let's get her done. All right. Praise God. Well, anyway, we'll move on. Praise God. Verse 20, praise God, says this, And that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until, here we go, the times of restoration. Everybody say restoration. restoration. Times of restoration of all things. I like that, of all things. Everybody say all things. All now, I took the time one time, looked that up, and guess what it means? All things. Amen. That means a lot of things means probably everything you can think of and more. Amen. So there's all kinds of things that can be restored, and God wants to bring restoration of all things. Amen. Now, when we're talking about restoration, uh, you know, uh, the word restoration has a lot of, uh, a lot of synonyms, restitution, returning, uh, making good of things, to restore, renew, redeem, replace, recover, return, repair, revive, resurrect, recovery, a lot of re's. But that's, that, you know, that's kind of, that's just the synonyms of this. And these, of course, is all different words that we've been coming in, finding in the Scriptures and what it has to say about it. But the biggest thing that we want to, want to make known is restoration isn't, isn't just about bringing things back to the way you had them at one time. You know, just, just but it's, it's bringing everything back to the way God designed it to be. God's restoring all things. So even though maybe there was something that was good and God's restoring, God can make it even greater, even better, even bigger. Come on, somebody. Why? Because God is in the restoring business. Amen. And so we are talking about restoration of all things, praise God. Amen. And so anyway, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of, uh, we're going to go to Psalms, Psalms 51, Psalms 51, and... Uh, kind of a common psalm uh, for some things. Um, what it is, it's called actually a psalm of repentance. And if you recall what the psalm was written for, was when um, 
David had a couple mistakes he made, big-time mistakes, not little ones, big ones. And um, anyway, Nathan the prophet called him out on it. And, uh, and at that moment, you know, he, he repented and, uh, and, you know, made some change. And, uh, of course, there was a consequence for his uh, bad decisions. And, of course, I mean, no, that's, that happens, right? I mean, I, you know, I'd just assume not make the bad decision, not make the bad choices, um, you know, because there's usually going to be some kind of consequence to it. But there is always room for change or repentance or God turning something around, making something right, making something good, praise God. And so anyway, out of the whole thing, um, David, of course, uh, makes a shift in his life, again, gets back on track with the things of God, and um, this song come out of that. And so what I'm going to do is just, uh, we're going to read just a, a little bit of it in the middle. I ain't going to spend the time on the whole thing, but I wanted to kind of read some of the stuff. Most of this is, is probably more of the stuff that we're, we're, we're accustomed to, or, or I should say that, maybe more uh, the verses that we're more aware of, let's put it that way. So verse 9, let's read this, let's kind of read it through, and then we'll kind of come back on part of this. So verse 9 says this, hide your face from my sins. Now remember, this is David talking, uh, this is his psalm, he's talking to uh, the Father here, all right, talking to his God. He says, uh, hide your face from my sin. In other words, what it is, he's talking about the shame, that he, because of the shame of his sin. In other words, bottom line, really what's happening here is David saying, I knew better. What am I doing? But I crossed a line, messed up. So he's, he's, there's a little, bit of, a little bit of shame, a little bit of, uh, you know, sor, uh, sorry about, about some things that he did. And, and uh, so anyway, hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, this, of course, is uh, David talking. This is Old Covenant here. But he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Uh, then I will teach transgressors their, your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Now, of course, uh, I want to read verse 13 because I feel like, you know, anytime we, we need to recognize that the choices and decisions we make, good or bad, always affect somebody. I said always affect somebody. Remember, you're the, you're, the, you're the salt, you're the light, right? Come on, right? You're the difference maker, you're the example, come on. And, uh, you know, for some, for, uh, some of the uh, circles that we're in, you might be the only example that they know of or see. Come on, you might be the only one that, that's there to make a difference, amen. So we have to just recognize uh, that, you know, the decision we make do affect other people, good or bad, all right? And so that's what he's kind of letting it be known here. He made some decisions. I want to change this. I want to make this right. And God, I'll make sure, amen, to, to make a difference in a good way. Praise God with those around me. Amen. Can I hear a big amen? amen. All right. So let's back up here. Uh, we're going to go to verse, uh, go to verse 12. Um, and really, this is kind of what, what jumped at me concerning um, restoration, uh, this is a, a verse we kind of touched on here or there. We kind of use it in, uh, here or there, but uh, I want to just spend a little more time on it uh, this week. And so, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me, in other words, that word restore there means uh, to return to, to a starting point, to return to the starting point. So, I want, I want to get back where I'm supposed to be. 
All right, and he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy, everybody say the joy, the joy joy of your salvation, praise God. Now the word uh, joy here um, really just uh, means cheerfulness. These are some of the words, if you look it up in a, uh, you know, look up the Hebrew word here, it means rejoicing, but it means gladness. And uh, most, most cases when this word is used, it's referring to gratitude. All right, so when it's talking about gladness or talking about uh, rejoicing, it's doing it out of a sense of gratitude. All of it speaks of, uh, I, I want restored unto me the gratitude, amen, the joy, the rejoicing once again of your salvation. Now, the word salvation, um, it's really real similar to the New Covenant word, but it means the saving of something. It means deliverance. It means everything from prosperity, health, liberty, freedom. All this comes into that word. Now, how many know God's done a lot of good things for you? Has God ever done anything good for you? Amen. I mean, is, I mean, I mean is there, can, you, can you stop and think about some things that God's done for you? I mean, I'm not just talking about the fact. I mean, we could just stop and, and, and just hang out with the fact that you're not going to hell. Hallelujah. I mean, that in itself, I mean, woo, we should have a party just on that one. But you know as well as I do that it's gone beyond that. I mean, you got, you're born again. The greatest miracle that could ever happen to anybody is by making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, uh, coming into the kingdom of God. Amen. You were at one time hell bound. Now because of a great glorious decision that you made by saying yes to Jesus, it trans, in a sense, it literally like it, it just, it just all of a sudden shifted and everything now all of a sudden you're heaven bound instead of hell bound and just a split decision. Greatest thing that could ever happen to somebody. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Now it was a, it was a good thing, great thing, but that's just the beginning. Amen. Salvation involves everything. Amen. Everything that God could do, the saving of something, the saving of anything in your life that needs saved, I'm here to do it. That's what saving means. That's what salvation means. It means, praise God, everything from a full meal deal of of deliverance, praise God, to health, wholeness, prosperity, anything that you can think of uh, where God's goodness comes through, praise God, that is what you call His salvation. Are you with me? So let me ask the question again. Has God ever done anything good for you? Oh, yeah. Amen. Are you grateful for it? Yeah. Are you thankful for it? Yeah. You know, as I read this psalm, um, you, know, I kind of, you know, most of it, you kind of, as you read through it, you kind of, you kind of get it. You know, he's talking about, you know, this, my sin and, and my iniquity and please, you know, blot it out and, and, and make me different, make me new again. Cast not, you know, don't take your presence from me. I don't want to, I don't want to lose your spirit. I don't want to lose, uh, you know, that and... And then it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And it kind of, you know, at first when you kind of read it, you kind of just, a lot of times you just kind of, you know, it sounds awesome, you know, and it's, it's one of those, you know, good verses, but sometimes it's like, okay, what is he talking about? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Well, obviously he must have, somewhere along the line, lost it. And that's the, whole, that's the whole purpose. That's what happened. Remember, 
this whole, this whole psalm has come out. It's a psalm of repentance because it, it come out of the fact that he lost his way. And he lost the joy of his salvation. He lost the joy of the Father's salvation, what all God has done. Somewhere along the line, he lost sight of all that God has done for him. Somewhere along the line, he lost sight of the fact that God is my source. God's my all in all. Somewhere along the line, he lost sight of gratitude or, or thankfulness for all that God has done. Somewhere he lost sight of it. You know, at this particular time, he's king. You know, you know prior to that, boy, the boy, I mean, to really be honest, David, in a lot of ways, he's my hero. I love his passion. I love everything he did. But this part of his life, I just soon let's, you know, that don't, that's not hero stuff. Come on, somebody. But everything that made him a hero was this fact that he had this, this devotion for God, this love for God, this passion, this zeal for God. And to take out a giant, to take on an army, to, uh, to do the things he did, to, uh, to uh, you know, just the, the signs and the wonders and miracles that happened on his behalf because of a, of a, of a love for God, because of a passion for God. Singing and praising God, regardless of how, how good or how bad it was, it didn't bother him. He was going to praise God anyhow. King Saul, a man who he looked up to, you know, wanting to kill him. And yet, you know, he, he still kept, you know, kept himself in God and kept looking to God. But then all of a sudden, you know, everything's now shifting. And now, now he's king. Now he's the, the big dog. Now he's the God that gets, or the, or the man that gets served by everybody else. Now all of a sudden they're not, they're not chasing after him to kill him. Now everybody's chasing after him to just, you know, be around him and just serve him and just help him. And when you get into the scriptures about this whole scenario, the word said that in a time when all the kings were out at war, David wasn't. He stayed at home. You know, watching gun smoke, eating bonbons and sipping Perrier. And, well, I don't know, whatever. You know, getting lazy and fat and, you know, forgetting about who he is, forgetting about what he's called to do, forgetting about who his God is a little bit. Maybe, maybe he's just doing it out of you know, out of habit, maybe out of religiosity. I don't, none of you would ever do that. But, you know, sometimes people do them things. They just come and just, you know, out of religiosity, they raise their hands or sing or come and say amen and glory to God. And yet inside they're thinking about other things, going other places, wishing they weren't here. I know it's none of you. Okay, just checking. But, you know, sometimes you do things just out of religiosity because it's just what you're supposed to do, and, but your heart's not in it. We lose sight about all what God's done, and sometimes we kind of let things slide. 
Sometimes what we used to have passion about, we don't have passion for anymore. What we used to be fervent about, we're not fervent anymore. What we used to stand firm with, we're not standing firm. What we used to release faith for, we're not releasing faith for. I know it's none of you. It's all them other people that didn't come tonight. But it does happen. And that happened to the king. And any time you lose sight, you, you, that devotion begins, uh, you know, you, you start losing that, that devotion, that true devotion. Pretty soon what it is is it's like, it, it's like it creates a vacuum. And you're backing up and all it does is it brings in everything, everything ugly. You know, anytime you're letting loose or you're backing up, guess what? If you're not moving forward, you're backing up. Are you hearing me? And just to say, well, I'm just going to maintain. Maintain is backing up. Just thought I'd set, the, set it straight. We always move forward. Because anytime we're backing up, anytime we're letting loose, it's just an open door for the enemy. And it became an open door. You know, sitting back, you know, like I said, watching reruns and getting bored because he should be out doing what he should be doing. Pretty soon he's so bored now he wants to go out and stand out on the, out on the roof and looking around. Next thing you know, he sees something he probably shouldn't be seeing. Are you hearing me? And one thing leads to another because of the fact you're not where you need to be in God. The very things that you'd say you'd never do, you're doing. The very things you said you'd never say, you're saying. The very things you said you'd, you'd never would respond that way ever again. And all of a sudden we're doing it again. And all of a sudden we're not where we need to be. And it's an open door and now here it slides in. It's so subtle but next thing you know you're making decisions I mean, when, when, when Nathan approached him and gave him the whole scenario, just kind of laid out like, in a sense, like a parable in front of him. And, and uh, I mean, David was like, he got all fired up thinking, man, I'm going to go after that guy. Whoever this guy is, I'm going to take him out. And Nathan said, you're the man. Somehow or another, he got to the place where he didn't get it until the prophet of God stuck his finger in his face and said, you're the man. How did you get to this place? Well, it's no different than you or me. You start letting loose your devotion and your passion for God. Your, you, know, uh, you know, this is why we, uh, you know, we, we seek God first. Everybody say first. first. This is why we, we give God the first part of your day, the first part of your week, the first part of your increase. Amen. Amen. The first uh, consideration in all decisions. Are you hearing me? He ought to be the first one you look to when, it, when trouble hits. Instead of running around with your head cut off, or, you, know, like a, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off, running around, what am I going to do? What am I? You should know already what to do because you know the one who knows all things. But when we start letting loose and we're backing up and we no longer have that passion and that drive anymore, pretty soon this, all this other stuff just starts sliding in. And next thing you know, you're making choices and decisions that you wouldn't normally make. And this man made some choices and decisions, and of course it led from one thing to the next. He not only, you know, you know had an affair, uh, but, you know, she gets pregnant, and because of that, has basically has, you know, he does, has, his, has her uh, husband murdered. And by the way, he's, a, he's one of the mighty men, listed as one of the mighty men. And uh, 
Just one bad decision after another. I said one bad decision after another. And the next thing you know, it's not a good day. And so the prophet of God called him out, and this is a psalm that came out of that. And this part in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I mean, it's about, it's about, I want, once again, I want back in that place in my life where I am again grateful for the things that God has done. I want to be grateful every day that I am saved. That God has healed me and delivered me and gave me a family and, and done great things in my life and around my life and put great people in my path and oh hallelujah for divine connections and divine opportunities and all that God's done, the favor of God, the blessing of God. Hey! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another day in God. Let's go to church. Oh, I don't want to go to church. I'd rather do something else. It's time to give. Oh, again. It's time to pray. Oh, has it come to that? Oh, God. This serving God stuff is like someday. Till the preacher walks in. Hey, hallelujah, pastor, how you doing? <laughs> God's good all the time. Yes, he is. Come on. So easy, so subtle. Just slides in. And I believe part of this psalm, that's what he's talking about. I lost sight. I've lost sight of who my source is. I lost sight of who my all in all is. I lost sight of the one who's did all this. I lost sight of it. So restore to me. Bring me back to that place again. Amen. Where there's a fervent fire. Come on, somebody. Where there's a fervent fire, where there's passion, where there's energy, enthusiasm. In fact, the word enthusiasm, the real word of enthusiasm, just for a little footnote, praise God, means entheos, which means full of God or inspirited. Amen. So true enthusiasm can only come out of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rest of it's just, you know. Anyway, I'll leave it alone. But anyway, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me, sustain me, that word means, by your generous spirit. So what's happening here, this word here, uh, the word uh, generous here, Let's see here. Let me make sure I get the right word here. <clears throat> now, mine, uh, mine says generous. Um, maybe somebody else might have a different, uh, different word in there, but it means uh, free or willing or liberal. I'm talking about in the sense of liberality, in the sense of giving out. Okay, that, that type of liberal. All right, so a generous spirit, praise God. And the word spirit, in fact, all of them all through here, um, it's the same word used throughout most of the Old Covenant. It's the word, we get our word wind or breath, the breath of God. So he's saying here, the only thing that sustains me, in other words, I want restored to me not only the joy of myself or the joy of your salvation, but also I want to be, again, upheld and sustained, hallelujah, by your generous 
spirit, your breath. I want again you breathing into me every day like you used to. Come on, somebody. And by the way, it wasn't because God backed up. It was because he backed up. Are we clear on that? God didn't pull back and say, ah, kid. God is always trying to breathe into his people every day. Let's put a a little bit of reference. Put the, um, let's see here. Let's do the, um, uh, let's back up here and look at verse. um, No, put the, let's do the, put the uh, Genesis uh, 2. Put that on the board. Genesis 2. We'll look a little bit about this, this thing about the breath of God. So Genesis 2-7, put that up there if you will, please. Kind of back up here. And this is from the very get-go, God, uh, now you've, many of you have heard me already talk these things, but we're just going to throw it in there because the fact that this is what David was talking about. Um, the, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed, everybody say breathe. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, amen, and man became a living, became a living being. Literally means a speaking spirit. Okay, is what it means. So that breath, what it is, it literally, you know, it means, uh, you know, uh, it means literally a divine inspiration. In other words, when God breathes into you something divine, you're being inspired, you're being inspirited by Mr. Divine. So, so God is always, that never changed. In fact, put Job uh, 33, verse 4, I believe it is. Put that on the board, if you will. We'll just kind of, you got all that? Job 33 and 4. Remember, this is Elihu talking uh, to Job and his friends. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath. Everybody say breath. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. See, everywhere you find when you're talking about the Spirit of God, it's the breath of God. So it's no different than you and me. God, every time you spend time with God, the Spirit of God is trying to breathe into you. And you need that every day. I said you need that every day. Put, uh, since we're there, chapter 32 and verse 8, is it? Verse 8. And he's, this is also Elihu talking. He said, there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. So every time God breathes into you, and that's the point I'm trying to make, and that was the point that David was making, amen, I want to be sustained. I want to be upheld once again. I want that restored to where the breath Your breath is breathing into me every day because that's what sustains me. It's what gives me life. It's what gives me understanding. It's what gives me help. It's what gives me courage. It's what gives me strength. How did you take on that giant? Because the breath of God breathed into me and I had courage. How did you know to do that? Because the breath of God was breathing into me and I had an empowerment to go do it. Amen. But you start losing that. You start backing up. You start losing your devotion, your passion, your zeal. Pretty soon, God is not, God, you're not giving God a chance to breathe into you every day. And pretty soon, little by little, you're backing up. And now the open door, here comes demonic influence. Here comes all that mess. And pretty soon, you're making choices and decisions you wouldn't normally make. Are you still with me? Everybody say daily. Daily, daily. daily. Hallelujah. Daily. Uh, put uh, again back 
uh, in Psalm 51, verse 12 again. <clears throat> Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me. Uphold me. Sustain me by your generous spirit. Breathe into me again daily. Amen. Let's back up. Verse 11. We're backing up here in this one because, well, just kind of way he gave it to me today. All right. This is verse 11 now, Psalm 51. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, again, it's a, an old covenant viewpoint, but bottom line is what he's letting it be known here is how many know presence is important? David understood presence. And again, he understood the Spirit of God. It's the same word here again, okay, about the breath of God. So, in other words, I don't want to lose your presence. I don't want to lose that breath, all right? So, let's, let's talk for a second about, about presence, okay? Presence, the word presence means the face of. So, when we're talking about presence. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that never spend any time in the presence of God. This ain't just some, you know, spirit-filled doctrine. God's presence is there for everybody. I don't care what denomination or what background you got. You, everybody needs to spend time in the presence of God. But when you're, just, when you're just doing Christianity religiously, you might go your whole life as a Christian and never spend any time in presence. Never spend any time before the presence of God, the face of God. So, you know, there's certain things that come out of presence. And, and so uh, Psalms uh, 16 and 11 says that uh, in the presence of God, uh, it says that there's fullness of joy. Anytime you spend time in the presence. Remember now, David, says, David said, I don't want to lose this. Why? Well, because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. You know, when, when you spend time in the presence of God, you don't have to try to drum up joy. What are you doing? Drumming up joy. Listen to this. I think, what is he doing? My hometown, they have every, at, I think it's at six o'clock in the evening, the sirens all go off. And uh, they do that just to make sure all the sirens are working. And they work. And uh, we were talking to my uncle. Uh, we were downtown and talking to him about something. We were standing just, it must have been just, I think the if we were like within a quarter block of one of the sirens. Stand there talking, all of a sudden, just the thing goes off and just like, I forgot about those things. You know, and you're just listening, and it's like, it's just deafening, you know. And uh, so I think sometimes, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, Christians just trying to, you know, work so hard to try to get some joy, and the and, and whole time is, well, why don't you just spend some time in the presence of God and you'd have all kinds of joy. David, he's, he probably has probably, oh, I got to be king today. 
there any more bonbons back in the cupboard? I'll take the Twinkies. All right, thank you. Oh, we got reruns? We got any DVDs back there worth watching? Never mind. I'm just going to go outside and stand. It's hot in here. But you hang out in the presence of joy, or in, in, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So David, when he's talking about, yeah, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose presence. He found he realized, you know, in the in a place of repentance, he realized where he had where he had gotten to. And all of a sudden it's like it all comes back. And it's like, I want that again. I don't want to lose that anymore. I want that. Right? So in his presence, we got fullness of joy. In his presence, and he says here at his right hand, so obviously we're talking still about presence. There's pleasures forevermore. You don't have to chase after pleasures. They come. You hang out with him. That's why, you know, uh, Jesus said, you know, you seek him. You seek him, everything else seeks you. See, when you chase him, everything else chases you. You don't have to go after anything. You just hang out with him, and all this stuff just is there. So David understands it ain't, you know, this. I don't want to lose that. Okay, all right. Uh, Moses found out in um, Exodus 33, put that up, and he said this. This is what God said to him. He said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I mean, not only the fullness of joy, not only the pleasures uh, uh, forevermore, but rest. Some days, that's really nice, isn't it? And we're talking about God kind of rest. We're not talking about just, you know, just you know, laying back on your pillow, making sure you get 12 hours of sleep here. Uh, we're talking about now true rest in God, but in His presence is rest. And I can, uh, I can tell you that right there, my God does that for me every morning. Amen. I get rest, amen, just by hanging out with Him. So it's amazing how it works. Uh, you know, I, can't, I can't, can't, can't even really put word to it. I just know that every time I hang out with Him, all of a sudden I feel refreshed, amen, and somehow it, it, it brings strength to the body. I don't, I don't know how it works. All I know is that it, it's, it's, almost, it's better, than, better than the pillow. I'm not talking away from the pillow. If you need your pillow, hallelujah. All right? But in presence, there's rest. In presence, there's fullness of joy. In presence, there's pleasures forevermore. Let's, let's go back to one of our opening verses in Acts uh, uh, 3. And what he talked about there, we read that earlier, right? So in his presence is what? Times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. All right. So refreshing um, just means literally, again, it's a, a rejuvenation that comes. So every time you spend time with God, there's joy, there's rejuvenation, there's rest, there's pleasures forevermore. So David understood, just like anybody else that's been in presence, amen, and again, I'm, when I say that, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to belittle anything of anybody's life or their walk in God. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you've had presence, you know you have presence. There's no denying it. And I'm also going to tell you, you can get very addicted to it. And if there's something to be addicted to, that would be it. Are you hearing me? So I'm just telling you, all right? There's a lot of people who want to argue those kind of things. 
but I'm telling you, when you've had presents, you understand there is a difference than just going in and putting out there your, your little page of petition before God and what you want and then walking back out and nothing's ever changed in your life or, uh, you know what I mean? But when you've walked into a place of presence with God and you commune with God and fellowship with God, you come out different every single time. So it's, there's a big difference. Amen. And so anyway, presence. Let's go back now to uh, Psalms 51, verse 11 again, I believe it is. Is that right? Verse 11. Uh, do not cast away from me your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit, or that breath again, from me. Praise God. So I, you know, coming from a, a new covenant standpoint, amen, I don't want to uh, live a day without presence or without the breath of God breathing into me. Anybody else with me on that? But see, listen again, uh, you know, let's not lose sight of who's writing this and why he's writing this. Okay? We're talking about a man who's done, I mean, we're talking about great feats. We're talking about somebody who not only in his own life did great things, but led a company of people, a company of men to do things that were unheard of. Where full-fledged armies feared this band of men. Are you hearing me? Because of what was instilled in them by this man. So don't forget about who's writing this. A man who's had presence, had the breath of God most of his life, even as a young teenager on up, did things based on what God has done or spoke or breathed into him. And this man's talking about, I want back what I had. And the reason I lost that is because of verse 12. Amen. Somewhere along the way, I lost sight. I lost my gratitude. I lost my, my passion and my zeal because somehow along the way I let everything else get in there and just somehow or another, you know, get me all caught up in this or that, life itself or things or stuff or family or whatever. And pretty soon... You lose sight of the one that saved your soul. The one that healed your baby. That delivered you out of that mess. That provided for you. And nobody else could deny it was God all the way. And yet you forgot. You let it slide. And pretty soon he's no longer your priority. Pretty soon he's no longer first. Somewhere along the line, as John wrote, you know, you, you lost your first love, you know. Well, I guess actually it was a, the Spirit of God spoke and John recorded it. But you lost your first love. Are you still with me? Amen. That's what happened. And so I want back. I want to get back to that place. Amen. Anybody else with me on this? Amen. I don't want to lose that. Amen. I want to maintain presence, back to verse 11. I, don't want, to main, I want to maintain presence. I want to maintain the breath of God. Okay, verse 10. Yeah, backwards. So how do we do this? Well, he's not just asking you to, you know, try to drum all this up. He wants to help you with it. 
I think this is one of the coolest things about it. This is the psalm, you know, that a lot of people, most, most everybody remembers this verse. You know, creating me a clean heart. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God wants to help you with it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, God ain't just asking you to, you know, do, you know, you know 10 more push-ups and 10 more pull-ups and a few crunches and some planks and get on the bike and give me an hour. You do enough of this, then I'll, I'll think about it. Make sure you go to church. You know, going to church ain't just so you can somehow impress God or the pastor for that matter. Some of you come to church because you know a daggone well. You don't come, I'm going to talk to you about it. And some of you hide from me. But if that's the only reason you're coming to church is to keep preacher happy, you lost sight. We go to the house of God. Why? Because it's about empowering ourselves and letting the one who sustains us speak into us on a corporate level. Are you hearing me? That was so weak. Are you hearing me? Yes. Amen. So God ain't just telling you to do a bunch of stuff just so somehow you're going to impress Him. God says, listen, I'll help you along the way. If you look to me, I'll create in you a clean heart. I'll renew in you a steadfast spirit. You know, I know I'm the preacher man. You probably think that I never have a down moment. Never have a, a wavering moment. And I, very, I have very few, but I have them once in a while. But one good thing I can count on in my down moments, it's better I just go hang out with him. It's better I go hang out with him. In fact, my family are pretty notorious. If they see something in me, they'll say, you need to go hang out with him. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because he can help me. And even in times when my heart is not where it should be, he creates in me a clean heart. Sometimes my spirit just ain't where it needs to be. He renews. He renews a steadfast spirit in me. Are you hearing me? So let's look at these words just for a minute because I think it's worthy of doing that. So the first word, create. Everybody say create. Create, create in me a clean heart. What does that mean? If he's going to create in me a clean heart, well, the word create, is, is really, it's the same as used in Genesis 1, basically. The same thing that happens in Genesis 1, that he's creating. So he, it means to make or to form something from nothing. So you may say, my heart isn't where it needs to be. Well, let God get a hold of it. I bet you God can make something of it. I bet God could form something of it. That's why presence is so important. Are you hearing me? That's why presence is so important. That's why it's so important to have God breathing in you every day. Yeah. It keeps the heart right. Okay, so the word clean just means pure or right, but well, it means pureness. Okay, so create me a, a pure heart. Okay, a clean heart. Now, the word heart 
it, it, this word here, not, not all of them necessarily mean the, have the same meaning, but this one again is the, is the word leb, okay, which just means uh, core, center. Um, it means middle again, the seat of control, same one that like a lot of times you use a cardia, which is the new covenant word for heart. Uh, cardia just means the seat of control. The center literally means the will of man. So I want, Lord, I need, I need that changed because <laughs> my will is, is, is not where it needs to be. I, I'm not submitting myself and yielding to things right now that, that I uh, should be. So I need a shift. I need a change. So part of this thing of stopping, turning, and going in the right direction is now giving God a place to create something again in my heart. And if it's not where it needs to be, if there's something that is impure or something that isn't clean or isn't right, then He can take that heart and He can create that clean heart. And He wants to help you with that. You say, well, I just, man, I just gone too far gone. Never too far gone. Isn't that good news? So that means that God can create something. And it means to create something from nothing. You may say, I have nothing. Perfect. <laughs> so I will, you know, Tom, God's point of view, I can come in there then and I can now create and form something beautiful even out of nothing. Praise the Lord. So He can create a clean heart. He can renew, all right, renew a steadfast spirit within me. So let's look at that real quick. Renew means to rebuild, to repair, restore, right? And then we're talking about restoration, right? But it refers to a sense of renovation or revamping of something. I love this. Or to rejuvenate. Amen. So rejuvenate. Uh, the, the New King James uses the word steadfast here, steadfast spirit. The Old King James, I think, uses a right, is it say a right spirit? I think for those that might have an Old King James but it means a right or something constant or fixed. So it's referring to something that's continuous, unshakable, unmoving, something. Uh, so I want, I want rejuvenate a spirit, amen, my spirit, my inner man. I want, it, I want that, that thing again where, where it's not going to move or be shifted with anything, praise God. It just stays steadfast, stays locked on. Rejuvenate that me. Not only create a heart in me that's right, but rejuvenate, renew, praise God, a steadfast spirit. I don't want to waver. Why? Because I wavered. Because I was backing up. Because I lost sight. I lost gratitude. I lost my way. And all of this happened because I let it all slip and pretty soon everything else slid in. But I don't want to have a spirit that somehow yields to every little wave and wind that blows. I want a steadfast, anchored, fixed spirit that has conviction. Let me say it again. That has conviction. Over the years, the thing that probably has grieved my heart more than anything, seeing things, and I can't, can't focus on it too long, or you get, you get stupid. And, uh, but the, the lack of conviction that I see in the body of Christ is, I don't know, just grieves my heart. 
No conviction anymore about what's right. No conviction about staying true to things. No conviction about the house of God or honoring God. And no conviction about their words anymore. And no conviction about, you know, their releasing faith and standing. Amen. They're, everything's just up and down. Everything else has a priority. Uh, you know, everything else is taking the place of God. And just grieves my heart. And uh, like I said, if I think on it too long, then I get stupid. And I don't want to do that either. But God is not only there to create in you a clean heart, He's there to also renew a steadfast spirit. So it's referring to something that's got conviction. And if, if, if David wouldn't have lost gratitude and his passion, he'd have never slipped backward. He'd have maintained conviction. The man that you read early on and even later is a man of conviction. Saul's chasing him, right? He has a, he could, this man's trying to kill him. He could kill him. Take him out. Be done. Not to fear for my life anymore. And everybody else says, do it. Do it. Take him out. But conviction. Conviction. That was a man who was once anointed by God, and I, how dare I put a hand to him. And then he cut his robe to let, him, let Saul know, I could have took your life. But then he had, because of conviction, even had sorrow in his heart because he even, even did that to the man of God. And you say, well, somebody could argue, say, well, he was no longer a man of God. He was at one time. And that was the part where conviction stood firm. And at that time in his life, the man stood firm. Standing against a giant, some of the things being said and what he said. What, what, would, what would, I'm going to use this word, amen, what would possess a man to do that? Conviction for his God. How dare you defile God's people? How dare you defile God? How dare you speak that way of my God? I will take you out. And I have a God on my side because of what I stand for. Most people can't say that anymore. Because they're so up and down and so loose with their convictions. Whew. Now, I didn't want to bring a heavy on everybody. That wasn't my point with this. My point was right here. Well, I'm... I feel like I'm, maybe I'm guilty of that. Well, here you go. Praise the Lord. You're reading verse 10 then. Grab hold of that. Release faith for that right there. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. That ought to be one of those things that on a daily, daily basis, man, that ought to be something that comes out where you just praise God. I want to make sure I'm standing firm. A man of conviction. Amen. A man with a right heart. My will is yielded and submitted only to you, God. Amen. Amen. So, to me, this is what the man's asking for. Amen. Um, I put, uh, put the, uh, let's do that last couple verses. I think I know we skipped some other things, but let's go to uh, 
Deuteronomy 30, put this, because it kind of, in a sense, kind of says the same thing. It's what he's talking to, to Moses and, and the people of God here. He said this, the children of Israel, I mean. He said this, and the Lord, and the Lord your God will circumcise, I love this, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. This is Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. The Lord your God will, I love this, will, He will circumcise your heart and, this is a promise, and the heart of your descendants. Why? Well, to love the Lord your God. You mean God will circumcise my heart so it'll love Him? That's like, it's just like, hey! I mean, that's what you call helping you do what's right. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, the Word says, you know, Jesus said we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, the whole time God says, well, I'll help you with that. So I, I know exactly what I want and how I want you to love me. So I tell you what, let me get involved with that. Let me help you with that. Let me circumcise that heart. Let me create a heart that'll love me, that'll honor me, and do it right. Why? Why? Why would God, maybe God's just, you know, maybe God's stuck on himself. Why? Well, because it ain't just about you, but it will benefit you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Why? That you may live. You want to live the life you're called to? You want to live the abundant life? You want to live Zoe life? The best way to live it is having a heart that's after God. Amen. Having a spirit that, that you know, is steadfast toward God. Amen. You do those things, you're not going to be the guy that's going to slide back. You're not going to be the guy that's letting all this demonic influence in. You're not going to be the guy that's, that somehow loses sight of all that God's done. You're not going to be the guy that... That, that loses their gratitude. Hello? Put the last one. I want the Romans 12. And I just thought through this for a minute because I was just thinking about, you know, a heart for God, being fervent, amen. And uh, not lagging in diligence, but you're fervent in spirit. I want to, that's what, that's what I want all of us. We're going to be that person that's fervent in spirit serving the Lord. We serve, we serve God with fervency. Why? Because, well, we have a heart that's right. We got a spirit that's right. Come on. Anybody else? Is, what, just three of you? Is there anybody else? Amen. Why? There it is. I want to be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. I want to give my all. I want to do it all the time. I want to always have passion. I want to always have fervency. Amen. I want to sweat when I preach. Not that you have to, but. But I usually will. But anyway, you said, well, that was, that was kind of weird. Anyway, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, what it, you know, you know it, it, when, when, when you're doing what you love doing, do people know it? When you're serving God, could they say of you, that person's fervent in spirit. Man, that guy's fervent. Man, that gal's fervent. Woo! Hallelujah. Hey, hey, ho, hey, hey. that going back and forth, you know. I've got spirit. How about you? <laughs> we can do it in a ball game. How come we can't do it in church? 
Anyway, it's just, just a thought I'm having. Anyway, the point is, praise God, that's what we're called to. And if we're the people that are fervent in God, we have a heart that's right, a spirit that's right, you're not, a, you're not apt to back up. You're not apt to lose sight of all of what God has done. You're not apt to, uh, to be uh, letting loose of things and letting the spirit, uh, you know, the, the evil one slide in and, and all of a sudden you're being caught up with this and caught up with that and distracted with this and distracted with that. Next thing you know, you're doing and making decisions that you wish to God you would have never made. Now, if you've made those decisions, you made those things you wish you would have never made, it's a good time to repent and turn and let's get back where we belong. Hallelujah. No condemnation. We ain't here to condemn nobody. But we are to show you, praise God, that that's how those things happen. That's why we make God first. That's why we seek God first. That's why we pursue God first. That's why we go after God with our whole heart, praise God. That's why we love God with our whole heart. Come on, somebody. That's why we give God the first part of our day. That's why we give Him the first part of our week. That's why we give Him the first part of our increase. That's why we give God first consideration in every decision we make. That's why we go after God. No matter how the pressure comes, we seek God first. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Why don't you all stand up and let me pray over you. Praise the Lord. What a good God we serve. Amen. Did you get something tonight? Praise the Lord. And I know our kids are still over there watching a movie, so... Uh, you might as well just hang out and fellowship with one another a little bit. Praise God. Uh, what's that? The junior high and high school, what I say? Okay, the youth. How's that? The youth. The youth are watching a movie. Anyway, praise the Lord. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Once again, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for this people. Thank you, Lord. We had ears to hear your word. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For fervent fire, for passion. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, for creating in us a clean heart, renewing a right spirit within us, a steadfast spirit. Thank you, Lord, for conviction. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for passion. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For a people that love you with their whole heart, that seek you with their whole heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we're moving forward and not backing up. And I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.